Okay, everybody, welcome to Investing with IBD. I'm your host, Justin Nielsen, and on today's show, it's Wednesday, July 14th, and we've got Ed Carson, IBD's news editor. He wears a lot of hats. Uh, I mean, he's, he's doing a lot of writing. He's doing a lot of editing. He's on IBD Live regularly as a panelist, as a host. He's on Stock Market Today. Gosh, Ed, you pretty much do everything, right? Uh, sure, but then you wear a lot of hats too. If there, <laughs> if there's any hats left, I guess I'll wear the ones that you're not wearing. Right, and uh, so Ed and I have been working together for many, many years. In fact, his wife was the one that hired me at Investors Business Daily. So Ed, I have to be nice to him because otherwise, uh, I, I don't know if his wife can still get me fired. Um, yeah, but on she did pretty good. I'd like to say she did pretty good recruitment overall. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, on today's podcast, uh, Ed and I are going to, of course, dive into the markets, and uh, I mean. Today was kind of a, a very odd day. Um, heck, it's been an odd couple of weeks here as we're uh, trying to get the growth to come back and, and, and really show some power. So we'll dive into the markets. We're also, because Ed is so uh, engaged with news, I mean, he's reading so much every day. Um, we're going to kind of find out about that balance of when is it knowing too much a hindrance to your stock picking and your investing? Uh, and then, of course, we're going to end with some ideas uh, again, it's it's slim pickings out there, but we're going to show you a few things that we think are setting up. So, Ed, um, let's start with the market, and we can go ahead and uh, start with the NASDAQ. Again, one of the things that we've been talking about for a while here is while the NASDAQ has been pushing into new highs, one of the issues has been the breadth behind it. And uh, what what what's your take on the market right now? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the major indexes, uh, everything looks fine. Yeah, the NASDAQ fell a little bit, but it's right at record highs. Uh, same with the S&P and Dow. But yeah, beneath the surface, you know, it's really been driven by Apple and Microsoft and a few other of these mega caps. We're just seeing more, the breadth has become narrow and narrower. And today I think was almost like, seemed like a sea change, not a sea change, but it definitely seemed like another level where some more breakouts or bullish reversals turned very negative today. I mean, some of them are like really surprising how bad they sold off. So when you have a situation, if you punched up the Qs, uh, punching at the NASDAQ 100, that's looking a little extended. Yeah. So in a way, you would say, oh, it's not so bad that the NASDAQ is moving sideways, but it's sort of like, oh, I need to lose weight, so I'm going to cut out fruits and vegetables. That's not really <laughs> what you'd want to do. Well, ideally, you'd have the NASDAQ 100 pausing or pulling back a little. I'm not talking about a sell but just pausing and then letting other NASDAQ stocks and the market in general coming back up. But instead, what we're seeing is that the NASDAQ uh, is that the Apple and those mega caps continue to move higher. And then you have other stocks, you know, slumping. And it's just very difficult to make money in the market unless you happen to be in those mega caps or those individual names that are still continuing to move higher. So it's, it's become increasingly difficult, though it looks completely benign if you look at the major indexes. Right. It, it really is masking uh, you know, some of that underneath weakness. In fact, um, one of the things I was noting uh, as I was reading the big picture yesterday, you know, the S&P 500 you know, and, and the NASDAQ composite, they both kind of had you know, action that was not, not a great close yesterday. But um, if you looked at the sector spider funds, um, one of the things I, you know, just at the end of the day, I was looking at, you know, hey, the, the tech sector uh, spider fund, um, XLK was was actually up, you know, I think it was up like 0.7, um, you know, yesterday. And I mean, it was it was up today, too. But Apple and Amazon are by themselves almost like 40% of XLK, the weight, you know, so again, you, 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 you think, oh, well, tech is doing fine. But is it? 
<laughs> or is it just a couple stocks that, you know, hey, once you get to be in that trillion dollar club with your market cap uh, and, and some of these now at two trillion, uh, you know, you're, you're getting an overweight in indexes, whether it's XLK, S&P 500, NASDAQ, um, and that, that's exactly what you're talking about with the Qs, how they have a little bit even more bent to those, those mega caps. Yeah. And, you know, when I was looking, I was writing an overnight market column uh, just before we started this podcast. It was just that um, the growth in ETFs were down and all the sector ETFs were down. I didn't look at XLK, but uh, everything else was down. Some modestly, some more, but it really just wasn't strength. It's hard to make money in this market. Uh, so there were some big losers today and there was others that just sort of fizzled a little bit. I mean, but it's just hard to make, make money in that environment. Mm -hmm. Well, and also to your point, I mean, on IBD Live, at least, we've been talking about last week how things were starting to feel a little bit extended in the indexes. Um, we were starting to get a little bit of uh, that kind of the, in the danger zone above the moving at the 50 day moving average line, at least um, last week. And then we had that uh, pullback. And of course, on, you know, on July 8th, that pullback on Thursday, it seemed like, oh, OK, this is kind of the, the pullback that we needed, but it only lasted a few hours, right? <laughs> And yeah. then we were right back to new highs uh, a, a couple of days later. Yeah, and again, the NASDAQ is now below 5% below its two-day line, which is not extended. It's getting closer. There's a lot of room. The queues are a little more. So it's not super extended, but the fact that it's requiring almost every other stock to fall other than Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, right. Google, uh, you know, that just, that just is a difficult environment. Um, you know, breakouts failing, breadth narrowing, uh, the queues sort of extended. I mean, all of these are sort of warning signs. It's just, uh, you know, it doesn't mean now if we level off, if the queues level off for a few days and some of these other stocks shore up, you know, a few weeks, we might say, hey, nothing, no big deal. It's not like we're, we're not even a market under pressure or anything like that. It's just, these are just sort of odd signs that um, just aren't very conducive to being very aggressive in the market. Well, and I guess the other point here too is that you, your results may be varying quite a bit from, you know, from people around you or, you know, or the indexes themselves, because it really does depend on what you're in. And, you know, there were a lot of these reversals that I mean, I thought looked, looked fairly promising on Thursday. And they were, you know, for a few days, but some of the some of the hardest hit names today, were those things that were up the most in the last few days. So yeah, you get a couple days of gains, but then um, it, it doesn't come down. It, it's that hole. It goes goes up in an escalator and comes down in an elevator. But even that seems like it's squished to just a few days uh, instead of trending over weeks. It's like you're walking up an escalator that's going down. So you fight to get up a few steps. Then right. that elevator, that power of terror elevator coming down. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of situation. So yeah, if you own Apple or Lululemon or some of these names that are still going up, Sure. I mean, you know, you may not need to do much. You may not need to, you could say you might decide to trim a little bit, sell into strength, but you can do it from a position of strength. Uh, but a lot of other folks, stocks have come down. Some of them, they had to sell because they were just selling off so sharply. Others, you might say, I'm giving up my gains or this is now becoming a loss. I just want to get out. So yeah, depending on the stocks you own, but as you were saying, some stocks that looked good a couple of days ago, some of them that look really good even yesterday, today they look terrible. So you can't just be confident. Oh, everything's fine. I have nothing to do. Everything's going to be great. I've got the mm -hmm. right stocks. I've got the Midas touch. Nothing can stop me. Uh, yeah, the, the market can stop you if it wants to. Yeah. And, and maybe this is a good time to kind of bring in that discussion point of uh, the ARC funds, because 
you know, a lot of the ARC funds are in many of these, you know, kind of the high flyers, the disruptors, the spec, you know, the little bit more speculative. So is, is there something that the ARC funds are telling you? And we can start, go ahead and start with ARC-K. Um, how, how are you viewing the action in these particular ETFs to kind of gauge what's happening in the market? Yeah, I think that sometimes people are looking at, when you look at your stock, sometimes people think, well, why is it going down? Why is it going down? Nobody questions when it goes up. Why is it going up? I and mean, people may ask, but they don't really look that hard. It's because you're so a, smart they're going up, right? because you're so smart. This yeah. company is so awesome. Nothing can stop it. This is the best. And then when it goes down, but the fact is that if you look at a lot of the stocks that are in ARC, they had nice runs from mid-May. And that's why ARC obviously ran up. And But if you look at a lot of stocks that are either in ARC or just that kind of former leader that's rebounding, they've had a rough July. And so they're coming down. This is signaling, signaling that even before some of these other breakouts, some of the leading stocks sold off, but some of these rebounding former leaders, they've had a really tough time. And if you look at names like Palantir, or if you look at, you know, not to pick on Palantir, but it had a nice thing. And then look at that. It rallied from mid-May, came up to about late June, and then has come back down. Uh, you know, there's digital turbine, you know, apps, uh, that one, similar kind of situation, um, you know, and so they're, they're following that they, they, they follow the theme. And then even a stock like Snowflake, which you'd say, okay, this is hanging on, this is hanging on, this is bucking the trend. No siree, this isn't going to fall. Um, well, if you use 256.09 as your entry point from sort of a bottoming base, you're down. Now, obviously, it's held the bulk of its gain. So some stocks are going to, and this one may just turn right around. I don't mean it, but you can have a stock that's even the stocks that seem to be outliers on the positive side. It's hard to fight that trend when the market and the sector are sort of working against you. Right. And a lot of these that you're talking about, um, you know, it, just, just looking at the charts themselves, it's not quite the position that we're normally looking for in a lot of stocks. I mean, the ARC funds uh, themselves, you've got the 50-day the moving average line, which is our red line here, um, below the 200-day moving average line, which is our black line here, uh, for those people that are looking at the video. Um, a lot of the stocks that you just mentioned, same thing. They were uh, below their 200-day moving average lines, and that's not something that we're normally buying. Um, so again, they, they did have a nice run. I mean, you know, ARC, uh, by itself had over a 30% run from that period where you're talking in May and uh, stuff. But uh, some of these drops, you know, again, as you mentioned with apps, I mean, it's not, it's not like it's just down a percent. Um, you know, some of these days are down pretty significantly. I mean, this, this, uh, the 2nd of July, that was down 12.7%. And uh, we were talking about Upwork today. Um, you know, Upwork, was looking like a, a breakout yesterday that you know maybe fizzled a little bit, but then it ended up down 17%. So you know some of these are just a lot more volatile than I think most investors can stomach, really. Yeah, and that's really ugly, the upwork, because you know it broke out and you could still argue that there was a downward sloping trend line. So it closed above that yesterday. But today, not only did it that breakout fail, but you know, if you bought it early, you know, which we try to talk about, hey, early entries are good. Uh, this one sort of cleared an early entry just below 52. There was a bunch of resistance points there, and now it's below that. So a big sizable gain completely wiped out if you didn't take action. And it's just, it's just a difficult situation. It just becomes harder. Now, you can, you can be nimble and try to do it, but it's still a little bit like you're you know, trying to dodge, dodge knives being thrown at you. you know, maybe you're really good at it and you can do it, but it's not like you're 
what do you win? You don't lose, you know, more of a situation if you're really good rather than winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's Mark Minervini talks about a hard penny market where you're really working to make a penny. Now it's sort of switching from market where it's a hard penny to you know, today. It feels more like a market that's just going to nickel and dime you. I mean, right. uh, you're, you're not, you're not making pennies again, unless you happen to have had an Apple Lululemon type portfolio that just happened to be those individual names. Yeah. Upwork, not very good. Yeah. And I guess the, the thing that investors really have to be worried about is again, if you had bought on the breakout and if you hadn't acted, you know, these are the kinds of stocks that can start really destroying your portfolio, especially if you have a concentrated portfolio, because if you let something get away from you, I mean, it's one thing if you're cutting your losses quickly at, you know, 5%, 8%, but you know, you let something get down 17%, 25%. And now uh, to recover from that, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot further away to get back to even. Yeah. And with this kind of damage, it's going to take a while. It, you know, if this rebounded quickly, it wouldn't look right. You know, right. we always talk about that sometimes. So even if it did rebound, I mean, you might be able to get out, which would be nice, you know, like, you know, cash out, but it wouldn't be looking normal. And you're just seeing this too often. I mean, some stocks didn't look as bad, but there was definitely stocks that had just negative reversals from breakouts or, you know, or from, or from rebounds from moving averages that sort of surprised. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to get a little bit of the insights that Ed, you know, is is looking at so much news and how he balances all this information that he's taking in uh, and using that to make sure that he's getting in some good stocks, but not using it to keep him in stocks necessarily and justify positions. So we'll be talking about that right after the break. IBD Digital gives you access to our premium content. The best of Investor's Business Daily. A team with decades of experience serving up actionable investing content, a sophisticated tool set to facilitate your own deep dives, and educational resources that will give you an edge in the stock market. We have over 100 years of stock market data all focused on one thing. What makes a winning stock? We're taking the guesswork out of investing. Subscribe now to build a better portfolio and make more money in the stock market. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, and I'm joined by Ed Carson, the news editor at Investors Business Daily. And um, Ed, you, you really do kind of get a lot of information um, that you're having to process each day. I mean, you're reading, you're editing so many articles that are appearing on Investors.com. And you know, what what is kind of your uh, routine. I know that you just recently did a webinar, and I'm just going to make sure that people know where to get that webinar. Um, if you go to investors.com, I'm going to show folks um, where to see that. Uh, if you go to investors.com, there was a getting ready for the opening bell. If you go to the webinars, you can find that under the videos. Go to webinars, scroll down, and there's getting ready for the opening bell that was done on June 15, 2021. Um, Ed, you were sharing some of your tips and tricks uh, on that webinar, uh, share maybe kind of a summary of uh, some of the things that you're taking a look at. Yeah, I mean, uh, and definitely I would suggest people taking a look at that. Chris Gessel and David Chung were on that as well. So they had Mm -hmm. really good tips too. Uh, You know, I I look at the major business newspapers or business sites, just looking Mm -hmm. at the headlines. I look at some places that really try to break down the news I'll be honest, I'm looking at CNBC, I have it on mute most of the time, but I'll be looking at the ticker tape and I'm just looking for things that are moving. Like, so if a stock is all of a sudden up 20%, it's like, well, maybe I should just look for it and just things. So I'm just looking around, seeing what's moving, you know, what's driving before the open and just trying to put it together, uh, sometimes for IBD Live as we do. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to get a, a view, not only of 
the broad macro business, economic, political things that might influence the market, but also, you know, some of the big movers and shakers that are that are happening on. Mm -hmm. And and to that end, I mean, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's not just about your pre-market, but you know, as as you said, throughout the day, uh, Chris Gessel, you mentioned he was on the webinar and uh, our chief content officer. A lot of times, if he sees uh, a, a rough looking five minute bar on, you know, he's, he's watching the cues like a hawk all, all day. And if he sees any little jostle, you know, he's yelling out, Hey, Ed, what happened? Uh, so wh where do you go to kind of find out you've got CNBC on already? Um, are there any kind of uh, sources that are your go to's to kind of find out, Hey, something, something odd seemed to have happened here? Well, I'll be honest, I often go on Twitter and I'm looking around some of the people I follow, you know, mm -hmm. might spot things or they'll quote headlines from, you know, various, just the headlines. They're not even stories yet. Right. And I'll look, and sometimes I, I have to take those with a grain of salt because yeah. they may not be true. They may have been misunderstood, you know, because sometimes, a head, like you say, a headline number, a stock beats view, company beats views, but it's down 10%. Well, that's because, you know, later on you'll realize they cut guidance. So you can't just take the headline or the source at face value, but then you look around, okay, is that really there? Oh, there was a news release. Oh, there was this. And then you can track it down. And sometimes, honestly, I'll tell Chris, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Right. Um, but those are the- Or you'll say, hey, this is an unconfirmed. <laughs> this is unconfirmed, yeah. I, I, and I, and I, so that's always like, oh, there's, I'm seeing this, but I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, but that sometimes moves markets and it's unconfirmed, but that is what's moving market, these unconfirmed rumors, and then they turn out not to be true. But you know, at least in the short run that you have to be paying attention to it. Yeah, I should have mentioned that you're you're also very active on Twitter. So for folks that are not following you, they should, uh, and that they can find you at, at IBD uh, underscore E Carson. So that's uh, definitely worth a follow. And I, I appreciate it because of your humor uh, a lot, not just the uh, market commentary and uh, and what's going on. Uh, you, you seem to be a master of the the gifs and uh, <laughs> everything, the, the amusing, amusing commentary. So uh, let's get into a little bit more of when you're, when you're looking at the business side of a company. And, um, you know, Charles Harris has talked about this, you know, that there, there is that psychology where you're maybe a little bit too invested in the story. Um, so what, what is your kind of take on, you know, how much information is good to be aware and how much is maybe getting too much? I mean, it, probably whatever that amount is, it should be less than I know, just, just knowing <laughs> what it does to me. But, uh, you know, is that um, you want to know, yeah, something about the company. You want to see the fundamentals. You're looking at the screens, like just seeing how the trend is, maybe the estimates. Or what does it do? What Do you have some sense of what the business case is? You know, is it one of the leaders? But you don't want to be trying to get deep down and become an expert. Because if you try to become an expert, then all of a sudden you start thinking, I know more than the market. And I'm going to stick with a stock or, you know, buy it or short it because I'm so sure about what the market, that, that this is the correct way to go. And, you know, even if you're right in the long run, that doesn't mean right now it can, you can have the market can be, can decide, can, you know, for a years can decide, no, you are wrong. Even if for some miracle you turn out to be right, uh, the, the market can be, can be wrong longer than you can be right. Um, in the market, the market usually knows what it's doing, but the but in the market ultimately might makes right, and the market can can squash you, uh, you know. So just you can just blind yourself to that. In technicals, you need to sell in technicals, and if you say no, the story is great, the story is great. the The stock will finish long before the star the story is over. Right. Yeah. And we were we were just talking about that recently. How a lot of times you'll see these phenomenal 
earnings growth numbers and everything just looks rosy and you're like, you know, well, it doesn't make sense that the stock would be going down, you know, it, it, it's got to come back from this. And uh, that's, I think, where some people get into a fallacy. It, it doesn't have to come back. Nothing says that it has to come back. And in fact, a lot of times, um, because the market is forward looking, you will find that, hey, look, the news comes out, you know, afterwards that, you know, that, that, that they were kind of at the top of their cycle and that uh, they were they were in a in a down phase coming. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that, you know, make sense in I think retrospect sometimes, you know, after you've got a few months behind you. Um, but when you're in the moment, it it doesn't it doesn't feel obvious. Yeah. And it really ultimately it isn't the news, it's the reaction to the news. Right. And, you know, it doesn't matter ultimately as you as an investor, why the stock is moving up and down. I mean to a great extent, but it's just that, is it going up or is it going down? And how much is it going up or down? Those are the kind of things that matter. Uh, if, you, if you try to just say, oh, but look, there's no news or look at this news, it's great, uh, that, that you're, gonna, you're gonna get really hurt badly. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess this also goes back to your whole idea of you know, understanding a little bit about the business and having a thesis on why this should be a leader or an outperformer at least versus uh, the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or just buying a, a, an overall index. So at what point, um, you know, at what feedback mechanisms, I guess, do you use to kind of tell you, hey, you know what, maybe my thesis was wrong here. Maybe, maybe I was off. You know, I think you should sort of like, I, I treat, you know, like a thesis, I try to do it like when I'm looking for TV shows, Okay, I'll look at a TV show and I'll just sort of see it. And, okay, and then I'm going to see the reviews and I want to see a decent review, okay, on, on this show because I don't want to waste my time. But I'll take that review. But then if I don't like the show, I don't like the show. And so I don't have to say, well, that review is great. I mean, you ultimately have to look at the stock. I mean, it's just like, it doesn't matter what the reviews were going into it, what the analyst had to say or not. If the stock breaks down, you know, it's not acting right. Like Upwork looked really good or at least pretty darn good on Tuesday. Today, it looks terrible. Mm -hmm. The business case probably hasn't changed much. I mean, you know, in the, from, from the one day thesis. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. But I mean, you know, it's forward looking for whatever reason it was, it did not act well. I don't want to pick on Upwork, but there's plenty of that happens all the time right. where stocks will either surge suddenly, you know, for a while it's, and, you know, or plunge and it's not, you know, the business case, you know, there may be sometimes underlying changes or the market may be seeing this or that, but you just have to look at what the market is doing. And that has to be your check. The market is going to tell you what is the, what is the company worth? What is the prospects? And you just got to deal with that. Well, and I guess not to open up a can of worms, but, you know, on the flip side, there are those meme stocks, right? Where, uh, you know, just as you said, you know, there, there's nothing really that changed with the business that, you know, warranted, you know, maybe a 20% drop here, but there are definitely these meme stocks that, you know, go up 150% in a day. And it's like, did anything change to warrant that? I mean, what, what, what is it that these people are looking at that, um, you know, again, warrants that completely different valuation for the company? Yeah, I don't really get it. I sort of make jokes and I'm only, it's only half joking that a meme stock, it requires a company that has no future, you know, kind of thing. If, if the business prospects are terrible, then the stock can go up. And that just, I know, you know, look, you, I know there are cases to be made. People make those arguments, but the valuations put on companies that seem to be dying or at least fading. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, you know, like, yeah, some of these companies are going to rebound, like an AMC Entertainment. They'll see big growth this year because there was essentially no, there was no business in 2020. But there was all sorts of long-term secular 
things that seem to be working against it. So why is it all of a sudden exploding, you know, a thousand percent? So, I mean, I, I don't advocate really getting into it and out of it. And I definitely say that I would say with these kind of stocks, regardless of how you feel about them, once they've made that move and everybody really pays attention to them, you should, if for some reason you got, that is not when you want to get in. That's when, if for some reason you were in, you might want to think about getting out, but it almost seems invariably that after that first few days of it really moving out, then starts things getting really volatile and can be on the downside. Uh, AMC and GME are down over 50% just from their June highs. I mean, AMC, that was their all-time high and I don't know where GME, but it's like probably two thirds off its high. You just don't know, there's no edge for investors. Why should it go up? Why should it go down? I don't know. It just seems, all seems made up to me. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, and so I'm just staying completely away from it. It's like asking me to be a translator in Russian. I don't know Russian. <laughs> Why right. would you ask me what this person is saying? Maybe that person's upset. Maybe he's happy. I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to stay away. Yeah. And I guess that's the other thing that, you know, some investors have this approach of, you know, the FOMO, like I, I you know, fear of missing out and I have to own some of this because, you know, everyone else is making money on it and I, I don't want to be left behind. But, you know, to a certain degree, there's nothing wrong with passing on opportunities saying, look, I don't, I don't understand this and I, I don't get it. Um, I, I personally haven't really been playing the crypto thing at all. I, I, I believe that there's a lot of opportunities there. And with blockchain, I think the technology is very interesting and stuff, but I don't know how to value Bitcoin. You know, I, I, I you know, don't, don't know what to do with it. And so I just have, haven't been participating in that. And um, I'm okay with that. You know, I've, I found other things to, to do with my money. Yeah. And I think, yeah, if you don't understand it, I mean, like, you know, sometimes like we, we destroy what we don't understand and we fear what we don't understand. No, with the stock market, you can just walk away. I don't understand mm -hmm. that. I'm not going to deal with that section. I haven't dealt with crypto because I don't really, I mean, I do think that there's some opportunities there, but I don't know exactly how that'll work out, which might win, which will lose. And there's a lot of ups and downs and I just have decided to stay away from it. Uh, you know, it's, I, think that's, I think that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. So to kind of wrap up this uh, whole idea of news and how you're educating yourself, you know, one of the other things we've talked about is at least for kind of presenting the business case for folks is to take a look at the New America articles. And that's something that a lot of times uh, you're involved with editing some of those stories. And um, what, what is kind of the, the, the good part and, and maybe the parts that you have to be careful of with some of these stories? Well, I mean, for one is that, yeah, I think it's nice. It's just, we look, we're, we're looking for companies that are doing well fundamentally and technically. So these are good stocks, good companies. So we know that, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a company profile. It's not trying to do a technical analysis. So this one is really trying to focus. We're looking at good companies and seeing what makes them tick. What are their prospects? Uh, maybe a little bit about their rivals, you know, explains what they do. Cause some of these things it's like, I don't know what they do. And it's nice just to have sort of a, a fairly, you know, quick read getting an understanding. You're not becoming an expert, but you get an understanding. Oh, okay, I get what this company is about. I see the kind of market that they might be trying to present. And I think that that can be really useful. Uh, you know, it's not the be all and end all of all things. It doesn't mean there aren't other companies that might be doing well in it, and which is actually can be a positive thing to have. You wanna see, um, you know, strength in a group and sector. But I think this having that focusing on top companies and just knowing what they tick is just a great way to learn the right amount about a company. Right. And, and again, you know, you always have to have that, that stock price as kind of that feedback mechanism of whether or not you got your timing right. Um, yeah. You know, as you said from the outset, 
you can have a lot of uh, destruction happen. And if you're going to plant your flag in the sand and say, no, I'm right and the market is wrong, um, you could, you know, <laughs> you could be quite devastated. And it, it, you know, it reminds me of like that, um, you know, the Martingale, uh, you know, philosophy of, of gambling, you know, where if I just keep on doubling my bet as I lose, you know, eventually I'll be right. And, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, maybe the, the math works out that way. But if you run up against the limit of the table or you just run out of money, uh, then guess what? You, you got that whole loss and, and you can't come back from it. Yeah. I mean, just think about the, uh, how all the big runs came from 2020 that followed all those big sell-offs, you know, in February, March and, and into then all there, if you had sat sitting through those things was terrible and not all of those stocks came back. I mean, and you just don't know how that would have, it's amazing how quickly we came back and how powerfully we came back, but sitting through those things, there's a lot of destruction that then comes in and creates the next basis. So, you know, we're talking about, oh, we don't like the mark this month, but there's nothing wrong if we had a correction, you know, it's kind of like that would might set up the next run of sound bases and that would be good. But generally, you you know, it's sort of like, it's nice to have rain. April rain creates May shower, you know, for May flat creates May flowers. Well, it's not that fun to be standing in the rain. It's more fun to be inside <laughs> right. when the market is raining to say, I'm going to look and it'll be pretty in a few weeks. And that's how I mean, we're not in that situation. We're not anywhere close to a correction. But when there are corrections, those can be positive. Just don't be too exposed. And then when the market gets better and presents itself, there are going to be plenty of growth opportunities. Absolutely. And that's that's one of the things that we're always looking for, those opportunities that are coming and can always be around the corner. So uh, that, that was one of the things that made our founder, Bill O'Neill, always you know kind of approach the market with optimism, even when it was in its, uh, I would say, darkest hours, he knew that the, the sun would come out tomorrow, if you will. So not that you have to sing that. Um, well, when we come back, uh, Ed and I are going to take a look at a couple of ideas that are on his radar. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the last week has been tough. A lot of ideas that have been setting up have uh, kind of turned around, but these might be some bellwethers for you to take a look at to kind of get a sense of where the money is moving. So stay tuned. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to IBD Live. We're here to help you make more money in the stock market. On IBD Live, we give you actionable trade ideas every day. We follow the entire trade, buying, holding, and selling. We've built an amazing community of investors. They're excited to join us every morning, and we're excited to talk with them and take on the market. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD. Justin Nielsen here, along with my guest, Ed Carson. So Ed, we were talking a lot about how you're looking at the news and um, you know, you're always searching for ideas. I mean, you're, you're throwing ideas out all the time. That's one of the things I miss the most about being in the office to hear your commentary that goes along with some of the news. Um, but uh, let's, let's talk about a few of the ideas that are on your list right now. It's, it's been tough for growth. So it looks like there's a lot of areas that you're looking kind of outside of the typical tech and growth names. Uh, and maybe we can start with UPS. Yeah, and I just it's just because we've had sort of ups and downs, it's not too many that are setting up right now in the tech field. So uh, that's why I'm looking around a little bit of, in that situation, not finding many setups. UPS, you know, it's sort of been hugging its 50-day, 10-week line after there was a breakout after earnings. Then it says consolidated, moving sideways. Uh, the RS line, Hasn't made it, it hasn't been tremendous, but it's not that far from, from highs. So uh, this is sort of a way to play the economy expanding without being in the fluctuations of commodities that can go up and down quite a bit from a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, 
you know, so it's it's setting up. You could you could bounce a rebound off the ten week line could be a buy point. As you see, it's pretty close to the buy uh, to the uh, traditional base breakout as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to like in this regard. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's about you know so about probably about five percent or four percent off the uh, the buy point. Growth is accelerating. Yeah, there's some easy comparisons that'll start to get tougher, but. Look, there's a lot being shipped right now. Uh, E-commerce is going to maintain its gains and continue to grow uh, as we move forward. What is the what is the reopening prospect and and the I guess the growth of the economy? How does that how does that help these even more on top of that e-commerce e-commerce growth that they were seeing? Well, I mean, obviously, look, I mean, the e-commerce may slow down, but if that's just the these are economic bellwethers. They're going to move with the economy. The economy is having one of it's an amazing growth. It's actually quite impressive. UPS had solid growth last year in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, in you know, in, in terms of earnings growth. You know, whereas a lot of companies just had terrible situations. Having a big year this year, um, you know, it's it's just a situation where, you know, it's building on strength as opposed to companies recovering those losses. So it's a reopening, but it's not like UPS ever closed down. This thing was going at full force. And to a certain extent, they can leverage a lot of the investments they made in prior years. They had spent a lot of money, both UPS and FedEx. Uh, FedEx might actually have to invest more. but you, So now you can really leverage those investments, really get the benefits uh, on the earnings side. That's why you're seeing these some of these huge earnings gains while the revenue growth is accelerating, but not nearly as much as the earnings. So I, you know, it's it just is building in that regard. So building on strength, this is nice to see as opposed to just recovering. Right. And now you, you mentioned, I mean, this, this base, it's a flat base. Uh, pattern recognition on MarketSmith has identified that its, its depth is only 11%, which is pretty nice. And it's really, you know, something that has only been basing for this last, um, you know, two months here. Um, but, you know, it, it would, it had this really long base before that, another flat base, you know, not very deep, 13%. So really kind of the movement, it seems like in this last year, all happened right here in, in this one week. Yeah, there is that. I mean, it's that, I mean, though it did hold the gain. Sometimes you see a stock have a great earnings day and then it's just like, it then starts to fizzle away. Um, but this one held on to it. And so we'll have to see that's, that can be a downside. What if the stock surges 15% in earnings and then goes sideways again? Right. Uh, it does have that tendency. The good news is that it hasn't given up its gains the last two times it sort of run up, uh, but, you know, that is a situation buying ahead of earnings would be difficult. Like if it doesn't break out or present a buying opportunity really soon, you might want to wait until earnings or use an earnings option strategy to to uh, take a bet on it uh, rather than do it because you don't have to see it. And just because it surged higher last time, maybe this time it has a more normal reaction to earnings. But those are ways to play around earnings as, as an option rather than making uh, betting ahead of time. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, move on. Um, this is one that it seems like we've been talking about for a while, this, this setup that we've seen uh, in a number of miners, um, but Vale in particular, and uh, I know that we've been struggling with the pronunciation on that. So uh, I apologize to anyone Portuguese who's gonna you know, make fun of my accent, but uh, what, what is it that's uh, making you keep on coming back to this stock? As, as one to watch? I mean, partly because I think it's a, probably a good idea to have a diversity of leadership just in general, not having a, just a diversity of stocks that are just of random quality, but have top quality stocks from a variety of groups so you can avoid you know, some of the negative sector rotation. Now, maybe the rotation will fade, but it's still always nice to have 
a little touch on that. And if nothing else, this right now seems to be the leading mining stock, at least among the traditional copper or iron, the kind of base metals type of situation. Whereas some others have sold off, this one held its 50-day line again and again after a pretty nice breakout. I mean, it had a breakout, held the breakout, and has sort of continued to trend higher. So if you're going to look at the mining sector, you know, this is, seems to be the leader in that, uh, in that field right now and you know it's showing pretty good growth setting up setting up pretty well technically mm -hmm. so now on the fundamental side you have to kind of treat these types of stocks very differently it's a it's a cyclical stock it's a material stock you know earnings are um sporadic you know they they kind of are up and down and um you're not necessarily going to get as much information from the earnings growth uh you know it, it's not going to have typically consistent earnings growth so how do you how do you kind of gauge where where the company is? You know, is it a good company? Is it something that is able to uh, capitalize on, I guess, movements in the industry? Um, how do how do you kind of identify that? Well, it's in a variety of fields. It's got some copper. It has some nickel. Has some other areas in there. Uh, so that that's nice. So there's some diversity there. So if the copper price falls four percent, it's not going to necessarily kill the stock like it others. But it's difficult. You know, you look at. Uh, because the thing is, oh, you look, they're going to have great numbers this year, enormous earnings growth. Uh, but, you know, it's a cyclical or, or how much is it already priced in? And to some extent, you just have to say, well, if if the market starts, if this starts selling off, then, you know, it's a price discovery and maybe they're going to discount future growth. Uh, you know, it's not easy uh, with a cyclical name. The fact that the market, the economy is moving so fast from such a plunge makes it so difficult to judge anything really honestly because having the economy plunge 20 percent in a quarter you know kind of thing or fall basically in half it really sort of fell in half really and then rebound like that just makes it really difficult to know you know well what's going to happen what how, what companies what industries are going to do well how are they dealing with anything supply chains inflation uh labor costs things are moving so rapidly that it is difficult for the market to keep track of not just individual stocks, but the sector. I think that's why we're having so much sector rotation in 2021, because it's it's hard for the market to price what everything is doing. Right. And and then you have sometimes news that'll be coming out, whether or not it's, uh, you know, about a Delta variant or, you know, things that could slow down the reopening, um, sure. you know, vaccines not coming out or, or if there's a problem with a vaccine, you know, there, there's all sorts of things that I, I suppose you know, the, the market has to take into consideration of, okay, you know, if everything goes well, you know, maybe growth looks like this, but if anything comes in that, you know, can, can shake it, uh, what does that do to, to all those estimates? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just on a technical basis, this one is one that it's getting near a buy point, but, you know, maybe the better place to buy something like this is, is off the 50-day or the 10-week line. One, early entries just in general, seem to have worked better, but also it seems to be finding support there. It, it's been, when it gets up close to the buy point, it's been hitting resistance. So if it does break out, it might, you know, we're not, you don't know, you don't know. So buying closer to the 10 week line might make more sense, but you can make that argument about a whole lot of stocks in the past right. couple of months. Yeah. And I should disclose that I do have a, a position in this myself. And one of the things that was attractive about it is uh, that it wasn't so much, at least recently, a pullback to this 10-week moving average line, but allowing the 10-week moving average line to rise up to it. Yeah. 
One final question on uh, Valet before we move on. Now, when you have something that has such a uh, foreign exposure, so this is based in Brazil, um, is does that shift your thinking? Uh, do, you, do you have to look at the country, uh, the risks there, uh, any political risks or, or things like that? Is that something that comes into your, uh, I guess, thesis building, uh, part of the story? Uh, how do you handle that kind of? I mean, you do need to be aware that there can be risks. I mean, Brazil, less so than, say, a China, where they can instantly change the regulation. In some countries, they might say, if there's movement to say, we're going to nationalize the mines or we're going to heavily tax the mines, I mean, you have to be, you know, it, those kind of things can shift. Doesn't seem to be as big of a concern here. Uh, it also helps that it's a sort of an understanding. They're mining, and whether they're doing it in Brazil or somewhere else, it's going to be about the same. Right. Okay, and as a final stock, uh, MasterCard, uh, ticker symbol MA, uh, this is one that was actually up today, uh, even though a lot of uh, growth names were uh, down. And uh, what, what, what is it that, yeah, I mean, you look at the fundamentals on this, and there's a lot of, a lot of red in a lot of areas. Um, what's, what's kind of making the case for a, a rebound here for MasterCard? Yeah, well, I sort of thinking for one is that this used to be on our long term leaders list. Mm -hmm. And it came off because it has a difficult time with the coronavirus because it relies on transactions and relies on uh, cross border travel and those both, you know, fell sharply and those still haven't, they're coming back. So you're going to see a return to growth. I mean, that's almost a given uh, in, you know, in the coming quarters. Uh, so it fell off. But, you know, buying the stock like this, a long term leader if you treat it like often a good time to buy it is off the 50 day line, the 10 week line. So even though it's had, a, uh, so that makes it this bounce here, uh, you know, one reason why technically it's a good time to, to get into it uh, as it sort of comes right off of there as opposed to trying to buy in the breakout. Cause you can see is that, you know, it, it tried to break out a couple months ago and then that's sort of fizzled and that can happen with that kind of situation. Uh, if you look at a monthly chart, you know, obviously the coronavirus was such an extreme situation before that, this was a really strong performer. I mean, really had a huge run from 2016 to 2019 or so. But if you look back, basically since it's gone public, it had a really nice move. So if you think, hey, we're gonna come back to a world where the economy is bouncing back, travel eventually will come back. You can say, well, even though the RS line has been poor, and definitely poor, and that's definitely a mark against it. Uh, you can, you know, there's a reason why MasterCard has a history and, you know, they're, they're trying to do more stuff with digital. They're doing other things with crypto. They're trying to make sure they're not just sitting still. There's good reasons to believe this is, you know, this could return toward that traditional outperformance uh, of, you know, for many, many years. Yeah. And when you look at a monthly chart and you take that big step back, I and mean, one of the things that really jumps out is, you know, just, I mean, of course, the coronavirus cr crash was very dramatic, but, What's happened since then is, you know, a lot more tighter action. And it just reminds me of, you know, back here where you were talking about in 2014 to 2016, where it did kind of take a little bit of a break and you saw some volatility enter the stock. But then once it started tightening up, then it was it was really off to the races again. So, you know, that that tight action, um, no matter what time frame you're looking at, whether it's monthly, weekly, daily, you know, sometimes even intraday, um, it, it, it does tell you something. And, and a lot of times that can be the, the spring coiling uh, before, before a big move forward. Yeah. And where it was technically on a daily, weekly, you know, it's sort of on a daily, I think it's probably good to look at just because, yeah, it's sort of rebounding from the 50-day line. And yesterday it also sort of broke through some very short-term resistance. I don't want to make too much of it. Uh, and the RS line is now at least above those short-term levels. Uh, so 
this is an, you know, it's sort of a place where you could maybe, you know, start a position and maybe you can do well, we'll see. I, um, you know, it's, it is a different play because it's not, we tend to like stocks with high RS lines. You know, maybe this is the beginning of a move after sort of a long sort of stretch of consolidation. Right. And I guess that's, you know, that's another thing that uh, for some of these stocks that have been consolidating, again, the S&P 500, as we talked about, was so bifurcated, it was making new highs. And that relative strength line is based off of the S&P 500. Um, the relative strength rating is based off of all the stocks in our database. So that number of 52, you know, just puts it as basically average, um, you know, but that is looking at the last year. And if you think about what's happened for a lot of stocks since July of 2020 to now, um, there's been some some big moves in some of these stocks. And, uh, you know, MasterCard has been consolidating through a lot of that. So it makes sense that it would have a lower relative strength rating, but uh, that doesn't mean it can't be uh, setting up for another move in the future. And you would hopefully see that relative strength improve uh, if that were the case. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, Ed, I got to you know, say, I really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your knowledge. You've been at the, at the news game for a long time, and I always appreciate uh, your analysis and your take on you know, everything from individual companies to uh, the, the macroeconomics. I mean, I remember the first time I was reading your stuff was back when Alan Greenspan was the maestro and you, were, uh, you had your little uh, what was it called? Uh, Greenspeak? Uh, yeah. Column. So, <laughs> so uh, definitely people should, uh, to get Ed's take, uh, as I said, you can follow him on Twitter, um, but also you do that futures column that kind of does a nice wrap up of the day. Uh, you usually try and put some uh, very, very solid learning topics in that stock market uh, today column that you do uh, to kind of wrap up the day. And that's something that people can find overnight. And sometimes you're updating that um, at all, all kinds of odd hours. Yeah, I try to update it a lot and uh, try to add news as it comes in. But yeah, I try to soak in a lot of knowledge from IBD Live and to like, and that really helps me just put the perspective on, you know, some of these experts, just other people from IBD, but all these outside experts, we had Mark Minervini and David Ryan on today. Wow, that was great. Yeah. And just listen to them and how they are analyzing the market. And so often I'm just saying, hey, how can I, how can I say that again? How, what, what did Mark Minervini say? Uh, what did Justin say? I think I want to just write that, but different words. And, right, yeah. uh, and so uh, I appreciate that. And yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun following the market it's a, and, and working with, with you, Justin. Yeah, so very good. Thanks, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, so I'm Justin Nielsen, and that's, that's it for us on this week. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Raina Lesser-Hannaway, a portfolio manager and analyst at Pollen Capital. So make sure you tune in next week for that. And I hope to chat with you then. Thanks for listening. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.